Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, you've really got to take on board what the people, the coal folks are saying. I think that's what really helps make a business successful. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we talk with CEO of one of the world's top residential building companies, Darren Wallace. Already on the road to success in both business and property, Wallace shares with us his take on franchising and property, how his work ethic has gotten him to where he is today and the story of his personal property journey. Darren Wallace is the mastermind behind the incredibly successful international residential building company, G.J. Gardner Homes. I'm the CEO or joint partner of uh, G.J. Gardner Homes Worldwide and uh, you know we specialize in building uh, new homes across Australia, New Zealand and America. We do um, over a billion dollars worth of sales a year. Um, recently listed as the number five builder in Australia uh, for, residential, for detached residential construction, uh, number one residential builder in New Zealand and uh, in the top 95 franchises now worldwide. As expected, of a CEO of one of the world's top franchises, Wallace's schedule is busy yet different every day. It varies quite a bit. I mean, usually I'm up early at the gym, um, then uh, helping the kids get off to school often, and then um, I'm at the office um, if I'm on the Sunshine Coast or at home. If I'm sorry, if I'm at my place of work um, on the Sunny Coast here, I'm at the office. Um, otherwise, I travel quite a bit, so often on a plane um, somewhere, uh, having offices like throughout a, uh, throughout the world, something sort of means I'm spending a fair bit of time travelling. Um, but uh, I'm across various different. Uh, even though I'm CEO of GJ Gardner Homes, I am uh, a director and founder of quite a few uh, a few other companies, um, which I oversee uh, strategically as well. So uh, it depends. Any one day could be. Um, sitting in a board meeting with uh, one of my other companies, such as Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions, or uh, having a strategy meeting with Total Fit Outs, um, or meeting with my team at corporate office for GJ Gardner Homes. So, um, and then uh, certainly, you know, with our new projects underway, I spend quite a bit of time. Um, you know, we've got our own finance division now, GJ Finance. So it may mean that um, I'm. Um, looking at some reports and uh, helping work the strategy out for the next quarter for GJ Finance, or more recently, spending a lot of time actually pro- uh, 
setting up our new company, uh, GJ Energy, which is bringing solar and battery to uh, new homes, which a lot of people are doing, but we're trying to do it in a little bit different way and we're going to release something pretty exciting soon to the market. While operating his business, Wallace works effectively in two different industries, franchising and construction. I mean, there's two sort of industries that uh, I guess at a, um, a macro level I look at. Um, one is construction. So, yeah, the ones I've mentioned so far in terms of, you know, fit-outs, uh, renovations, new homes, um, is obviously all construction. But they're all done within the framework of franchising. And um, I'm quite involved um, in franchising in a big way um, and, uh, you know, heading down uh, next week to talk at uh, the franchising conference, um, the National Franchising Conference. Um, so I've actually helped other businesses and I've got equity in a few different uh, businesses that franchise as well. So I sort of talk across or have sort of, <laughs> I hope, some sort of expertise across sort of both industries. Wallace grew up in Queensland and completed most of his education, including university there. I grew up in Western Queensland. I was born in South Australia, um, so a southerner, and uh, moved to Queensland with my family when I was uh, around 10 years old um, in Western Queensland. So I grew up sort of sort of to mid-high school or early high school in Western Queensland, and then my family moved to the Sunshine Coast um, where I uh, studied school on the Sunshine Coast and then did a uh, university degree in commerce um, in Brisbane at the Queensland University. While university did not teach Wallace much about the operations of the real world, he does value his university education highly as it taught him the fundamentals of running a business. In terms of do they make you successful? No. What they do do is give you a solid background to help you evaluate things. So uh, when I partnered up with Greg with GJ Gardner Homes, you know, I had an accounting degree, which was the basics of understanding accounting. Um, but then you need to apply that within the within the within a business. But it helps you to quickly ascertain. Um, situations within a business and you know you can read a profit loss you can read a balance sheet you can um, understand um, from a financial aspect where businesses are going Um, so it definitely helps um, which is why I then recently went on to finish I just went last year completed a a, a Bachelor of Laws at the QUT which has probably been slightly less helpful because there's a lot of other law subjects involved, but it also gives you a background in in, you know, in legal. Um, so you're able to you know hold intelligent conversations with lawyers around what you're doing. So you know in both franchising and construction, you're often dealing with lawyers for different aspects and understanding different aspects of the business and how the law relates to it. So it's it's been valuable to have that sort of background. Like every other university student, Wallace worked many hours at a part-time job to support himself through university. I took a bit of time off. I worked on a banana farm for a year prior to going to university. Um, During university, I put myself through university um, by working nights at a pizza place from (laughs) 10 o'clock at night till 6 o'clock in the morning back those days, you know, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday nights. Um, You know, so I was like any other poor uni student out there that had to you know, work to scrape together the the, the fees, the, the fees and and the, and the living expenses just to get through university. Um, and after finishing university, um, I was contemplating doing uh, 
what I was going to do when I was offered a job as a, an assistant accountant with um, GJ Gardner Homes. Um, so I took on that role. Um, I've always liked earning sort of money, so I was also doing teaching jobs, teaching piano and bits and pieces in the background. But then uh, I'm becoming an assistant accountant. You know. Shortly after working as an assistant accountant for the company, Wallace was promoted and eventually ended up as co-CEO. It was about a year later, the accountant, then the senior accountant left. I took on the senior role and um, then started, you know, obviously then putting into practice a lot of what I'd learned at uni, but then, you know, finding out the real world slightly different and um, working my way through that sort of, and then we franchised the business a couple of years after that and it was around that time we franchised that uh, my business partner Greg offered me a partnership in the business in which I bought in. After landing the role of co-CEO, Wallace and his business partner immediately started to look into franchising the business. The early 90s when I joined with Greg and um, you know what we did is we took... Um, when we decided to franchise, we had six regional offices and um, those offices, all the managers, all by one, um, when, when we were talking about franchising, decided that they would want the franchise um, for their particular area. Um, so we went from six corporate offices to six franchise offices, but you know we did that in the, in the space of about three months, which is sort of unheard wow, of today in franchising. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we took that from... Um, yeah, from uh, basically a corporate to a franchise in a few months and uh, franchised all our six offices that we had in southeast Queensland here. Um, and then between that and about 2000, um, we grew to about 20 stores. You know, I'd helped, um, yeah, I'd sold New Zealand, the master franchise to a friend of mine or some friends of mine, and, um, and I started helping uh, set up a franchise up and down the, uh, in Queensland. And then in um, 2000, so we're talking probably 18 years ago now, um, and I was only young at the time, um, uh, Greg wanted to take, uh, my business partner has a bit of a sabbatical, a bit of time off, so he, he said it was time for you to take the reins on as managing partner or CEO, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, I did that, and we had about 20 stores at that point, and so um, from then till now, you know, I've grown it to sort of, uh, you know, fluctuates between 125 and 130 stores at the moment, so uh, between Australia, New Zealand and America, um, and obviously we're building you know, several thousand houses a year. To elaborate more on his business strategy, Wallace shares with us what it means to franchise and why it's so beneficial to GJ Gardner Homes. Well, uh, franchising in itself is basically the, the systemization of systems but really what it is all about is um, is taking what you do and systemizing it, um, combining that with a brand um, and then, you know, helping out and then building a business around that. So, you know, what we do is we give the skills, resources and systems um, to a small builder um, and help him become, you know, taken from building, you know, anywhere between, you know, 5, 10, 20 houses a year to doing 20 30, 50, 100, one of our guys last year did over 180 homes. So it really is. Um, and with in the franchising within the construction industry, I mean, you've like you said, it has that different or be the same as the food industry. It's the same in that like you're developing a brand 
Um, so there's the marketing behind the brand, there's the professionalism behind the brand and the professionalism behind the marketing. You know, you've got uh, websites, you've got in our in our system, you've got you know plan ranges of new homes, you've got buying power with various suppliers, you've got getting together with doing all things together as a group, and then then on top of that, you've got your systems. You know, we've got our own proprietary um, um, software system. Um, that we've developed over time and you know, we're just spending uh, a few million dollars redoing right now. Wallace believes that the success of a business is determined by its individual smaller elements rather than a big overarching system. It's all those things co- combined together and um, what a lot of people think is that um, if you, you know, they, they think, oh, if I just get more buying power, you know, I'm going to be successful or if I can get you know, some more marketing, I'm going to be successful. But what is really successful in um, in all areas, um, and this regards whether you're in construction, whether you're in food or whatever, whether you're in housing, whatever, is all the little one percenters that add up. It's not one big thing. There's no one pill that's going to fix everything. Um, it's all about being better in a hundred different areas, not one. So that's why why I'm so uh, why I'm quite passionate about franchising is because I know what it takes. In terms of developing, you know, you've got to have your marketing strategy, you've got to have your, you know, your operational strategy, you've got to have your IT strategy, you've got to have your marketing, you know, your different strategies and your systems and how it all flows together and it's all got to dovetail in together. Um, and then with franchising, you can get that with economies of scale. Like a small builder out there can't spend $3 million on a software package to develop it. But across 130 stores, I can spend, you know, 3 or $4 million on a software package that's state of the art then that a small builder can have the benefit of. Right. And you, you tap into all the amazing resources, training, people, and you put all the best minds together to be able to get the best result for everyone as well because it's a system, isn't it? I mean, that's what we do a lot is, you know, a lot of focus groups within our own franchises, you know, it's stupid to try and do something from the top and push it down. I mean, I know some people do, but my thing is collaboration with the group. So, you know, we'll pull together our franchisees, we'll pull together the estimators or whoever is required of a system or some sort of consultation about what's happening on the ground. We'll pull those guys together and say, okay, how do we be better? How do we better support you? How do we better make a make a better product or a better service or a better system to support you guys to support the market, the customers or consumers, you know, whatever it might be? Um, but it's harnessing that the power of the people um, and listening and doing it. A lot of people give lip service to, oh yeah, we listen to our people, but they actually don't. Um, you know, you've really got to take on board what the people, the coalface are saying. I think that's what really helps make a business successful. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Darren Wallace's property journey where he shares the story of his first investment property. Well, sorry, I bought my first house at 21, but within, within a year 22, I would have bought my first investment property. How his good work ethic has rewarded him with success. And I think part of what you know, my parents certainly offered me was that you know, dad and mum both had an extremely great work ethic and I think that's um, really important. His worst investing moment? But, you know, like I tear up a few thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars um, in a project down there in that um, it was just too highly leveraged. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Hey, podcast listeners. 
Are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinvestory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinvestory.com. Now back to the show. On the property side of things, Wallace is a property investor and has been enthusiastic about the industry for a long time. I mean, I've, I've always been, uh, I've always loved property. I mean, you know, before even, uh, you know, as soon as I basically left home, um, you know, I beg, borrow and steal. I mean, probably a little bit, uh, you can't do that so much under <laughs> all the credit restrictions you have today. But I remember, you know, yeah. loading up two credit cards, borrowing 10 grand off mum and trying to put all in an account where I could scrape out enough deposit to buy to buy my first house and then repaying everyone within 12 months or, you know, by the bank, but obviously all the, the extra loans I'd taken out just to get in the property market, you know, um, and be, because basically I knew that once I got in there, um, you know, I was happy to do a bit of work around the house, you know, make it, you know, make upgrade that house in terms of, you know, you know, not spending a lot of money, but just more, I guess, just tying it up, making it, um, and trying to get some a little bit of equity in the in the property. And it wasn't long after that that I used the equity within that property to buy another property, you know, investment property, which, funny enough, I still have to this day. I remember paying one hundred and one hundred and forty five thousand six hundred for a house land package in the back of Caramundi, and I thought it was expensive back then. <laughs> still got that property, so. He bought his first investment property at 22 and has continued to build a substantial property portfolio since. He views his property investments as a long-term venture rather than anything short-term. My first investment property, I would have been, say, 22. Well, sorry, I bought my first house at 21, but within, within a year, 22, I would have bought my first investment property. But I wasn't a partner, I was just working there, so I was, you know, every dollar was going back into um, thinking how I could uh, raise enough money to get that first investment property so um, you know getting the equity in the current house plus saving up a little bit more to um, be able to afford the mortgage insurance enough to get the hold of the investment property because then you know then you're on your way sort of thing so and you know I built up a, a reasonable portfolio of, of investment properties over the next few years um, I then slowed up a bit because I was doing some other things within businesses within franchising but you know still got a reasonable portfolio of, of uh, property you know, and I know this. Uh, you know, this is probably the best story. So you you are looking at a lot to do with with property, and you know, there's there's certainly many ways in which um, you know the, people can make money in property. Um, and but one of the most effective on the long term, um, and and that's the problem is a lot of people want think more short term. But if you can continually add on. You know, investment house every couple of years. Um, you know, it doesn't take that long. You know, it's a few years, and you've got quite a portfolio, and you can build some really solid equity within that. I mean, at that point, you know, at some point along that time, then I was able to branch out into, you know, a business partner and I. We, you know, we bought a um, a block of land um, up in Mackay. You know, that was on the beach there. You know, and um, it was um, actually, I think it was subdivided for seven blocks of land but then I put it back on one title put a put the did the DA on a set of units up there and then someone come along and um, offered me quite a bit of money for to, for that um, 
about, uh, I don't know, I paid about 300000 for it. I think they offered me a million or something. So, well, you know, I sold it without actually even building the houses, you know, just because it was like a, you know, a good return on, on that. However, Wallace believes that is not enough to just gain equity from investment properties. Rather, it depends on your ability to find more deals and use previous profits for future opportunities. And I know there's lots of seminars about how people do that sort of thing, and it can, it does happen. But what I think you've got to do is it's a bit like any business. You've got to have your core base. You can't go racing around, you know, thinking that's the only deal to be had. You know, what you've got to do is you've got to have your, your basic business, which is, you know, okay, let's start to accumulate some property, and then be on the lookout for these opportunities that might come along. Um, and if you build up a decent base and some equity within your properties, you have that ability to um, to quickly take advantage of some opportunities like that that come along. Wallace believes that his parents were also pivotal in setting him up for success as he learned about property from them and also adopted their good work ethic. My parents uh, were originally farmers, um, so like always owning property, so... And a dad always said, you know, always try and get, you know, you don't want to rent, that's a waste of money, you always want to get into property. So I sort of had that sort of built into me. Um, and I think part of what, you know, my parents certainly offered me was that, you know, dad and mum both had an extremely great work ethic. And I think that's um, really important. Um, the fact that, you know, you're prepared to, you know, it's, uh, property investing, you know, you've still got a, you still need a job or you need, you know, some sort of business to help cash flow what you're doing. Um, and that's important. So obviously what you do, you got to like and all those sort of things, but you need that sort of, that ability to have a little bit of cash flow, um, to, to do it. Um, but the ability, the work ethic is, um, you know, I think, you know, I was always up at night searching properties or, you know, this, you know, when you're, you know, when you're 22 and 23 on a small, you know, probably modest salary, let's say, um, you know, you, you're out there, um, looking for the deal. Um, you know, I was spent nights, you know, just searching for property, looking for the next deal. So, um, a lot of people want to go home and watch TV, um, but I'd sit up, you know, and uh, back then there wasn't even realestate.com, I think, early in those days. It would have been, but you just going through the paper, you know. So, you know, I if I wasn't studying, I was looking for property, or if I wasn't looking for property, I was looking at businesses. So, um, certainly, you know, that's certainly one thing that influenced me from my parents was, you know, having that good work ethic. The benefits of having a good work ethic is not specific to the property industry, rather important at every job. And it's not really property focused, but you know, being the, you know, if you're employed to work from eight to five, you're not the last to work. You're there at five or ten to eight. And if you, you know, if you finish at five, you know, you're you're the bloke that's finishes at ten past five. You know, because then you become known as the person that you know puts in that effort. That you know, and employee now being an employer, you know, you it's quickly you quickly recognize those people who will go the, that little bit extra. I mean, you're not talking, you know, about, you know, thousands of dollars or anything. You're just talking about arriving to work a little bit early and making sure that when you leave, you don't, the dot doesn't hit five and you race out that door. You finish what you're doing um, and get the job done. Um, and employers notice those sort of things. And, you know, that, you know, I think has held me in good stead in, in, um, in both what I've done personally, but also in how I view. 
Wallace's worst investing moment was when he invested in a development project that proved unfruitful during the GFC. I invested in some property um, through, you know, through the GFC. Um, you know, quite a substantial. There was about four or five investors that went and bought uh, quite a large, substantial land holding in southeast Queensland. Um, and at the time, uh, I was. Uh, it, it all seemed to be all good and rosy, and you know, um, but. In hindsight, I should have been watching the signs a little bit more, um, and basically that, uh, you know, I'd only loaned, I wasn't part of the company, I'd only loaned the company money because I was a little bit sceptical about the uh, the long-term viability of the project, but, you know, like I turned up a few thousand, a few hundred thousand dollars um, in a project down there in that um, it was just too highly leveraged. So that's one thing, you know, I mean... Oh, it was it was just a, a, a large block of land that we were subdividing um, into like four different uh, you know fifty lot sub like developments. The poor management of the project was one of the factors which made it one of Wallace's worst investing moments. And the problem was that yeah, I mean I was always under the impression you know and that debt's good in terms of you know for, for construction for for build for um, housing. You know, I had no problems ever. Whatever the bank would loan me to buy a house, I'd buy a house. Um, because in, in my way of viewing, you know, I had the rent coming in, you know, and you know, whatever shortfall, it's fine. So, but that then that works perfectly for residential construction. I still believe that. If the bank wants to give me the money to buy a house, I'll do it um, every day of the week. Um, but um, development's a totally different story. And so once you become too highly leveraged in development and then the sales don't come through, all of a sudden you're left with a, a bit of a hole. So... Um, you know, I'd invested with these guys and possibly the management structure wasn't probably the best. Um, and I didn't personally have, uh, I guess, a lot of say over uh, a lot of the, a lot of the implementation of the strategy. So um, definitely burnt my fingers there. Since walking away from the project, Wallace has learned only to take part when he understands every aspect and is able to voice his ideas and concerns. Got bought out. Um, you know, he got bought out for cents in the dollar during the GFC by uh, the, the bank. Tried to sell it up, but you know, ended up getting bought out by someone. So it, you know, it wasn't a great outcome. And you know, I just basically walked away from the project. Sometimes you just don't worry about trying to chase old money. You just leave. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to walk away. So you know, I walked away from that project. Um, yeah, doing, doing my dough, but you know, learned a valuable lesson in that you know, one um, developments you know, are totally different to residential housing. And two, um, if you're not in control, um, be very careful about how much money you're putting in and, you know, and sort of... You don't don't believe the um, the bullshit or don't believe the, you know, necessarily what everyone's telling you. You know, make sure you know, make sure it works. You know, it's easy just to... Listen to a, a somewhat a salesman, I guess, in terms of um, you know what's going to happen. But you know you should delve into it and make sure you understand what's going on. You know that you know I guess that's a principle in, in investing. Is never invest into something that you know you don't understand. So even though I mean you know I've been in the construction industry for a long time, um, large developments I hadn't actually personally done. A lot of large developments because we're more about you know we're risk adverse and you know we uh, help builders um, build construct build build residential housing so you know as soon as you branch into something new make sure you understand 
um, what you're doing um, and the risks involved. Wallace's aha moment was when he realized his business's success has been how he builds it up gradually and organically. Not really with um, with property so much as, you know, within... And this goes back to, I guess, your first point about, you know, building a stable business. You know, like, it's just been a slow, gradual, you know, increase. We had, you know, I guess, you know, setting up in New Zealand, the master franchise over there, you know, within three or four years, we've become the largest residential builder in, in New Zealand. So, obviously, that was um, uh, very uh, lucrative for us. So, but it's been that more so that just gradual, you know, um, setting up a new office, you know, setting up a new display home and start, you know, and developing um, the business rather than any single one event, you know, like, and that, that's the problem with big losses is you spend a lot of time building up and if you're not careful, you can have a big loss that wipes out a lot of what you've done over the years. So that's why, you know, I, I, I mean, everyone gets lucky every now and again and, yeah, you know, I've put on the right person that, you know, I've taken a franchise from, you know, 20 houses to 100 houses a year and, you know, obviously made us and him a lot of money. Um, but it's it's over time. It's not one big um, or one strategy. I mean, yeah, look, I've, I've bought things for, yeah, it's like I said before, the property of Mackay, you know, bought property for 300, sold for a million or whatever. Um, but, that's not something that happens consistently. What happens consistently is building that business over time or building that property portfolio over time. Um, and then, you know, waking up one day and going, oh, wow, I've got 10 properties now, you know, never dreamt of having 10 properties. But, you know, it's just that gradual process along the way. Goal setting has also been a huge factor to Wallace's success as a businessman. You know, Greg and I, my business partner, we always, you know, joked about, oh, man, when we lay our first, you know, slab in America... You know, we're going to be so excited. We're going to race over there and have a massive party, you know, because we've been looking forward to it. And then, you know, a couple of years later, we go, oh, shit, we've built 100 homes over there. We didn't have that party, you know, because it's that gradual process and thing. one thing happens after another. Um, you know, it, it, it's not really a, a one-off event, um, which is good. You know, like life's not meant to be a one-off event. Life's meant to be a journey. And if you're not enjoying it along the way, well, then, um, you know, don't worry about plenty of parties on the way, but if you're not enjoying, <laughs> you know, but it's not, there's not one sort of, or in my opinion, there's not one sort of end goal. There's not sort of, um, okay, when I get to this, you know, life's done, it's like, no, I want to continually improve, continually expand, continually, you know, do things better. Um, and, you know, the moment I set a five-year goal, you know, then about a year in, I'm setting another five-year goal. So, like, you know, you're constantly expanding what you're doing. Um, and I know that's not for everyone, um, but, you know, if you can get into that habit of just, like, looking ahead and what can I do, then your actions then are focused around achieving that goal. Wallace believes that writing down his goals and setting a time limit for them has forced him to readily take action and has also motivated him to work harder. So... You know, I've been a massive fan, um, and look, people talk about it, but I've, you know, I, I do live it. In that, you know, I've got, you know, always have had spreadsheets of written goals and, you know, dates to achieve them by. You know, like, and I look back sometimes and absolutely blown away. 
you know, uh, there's been times where, look, I haven't looked at it for eight months or, but even longer periods of time where sometimes you look back and you go, oh, wow, I wrote that down in, you know, 2012 and, you know, far exceeded that, you know, like, and, you know, I am a big, big believer in, you know, writing goals down and putting a date on it. Um, but, you know, that's, that helps your mental, but then if you don't put the strategies in place to achieve it, you know, then, you know, it's called a dream, you know, a dream with a date, but a goal with a date is, okay, there's the goal. Now, what, am, what are the strategies I'm going to put in place to do it? But you'd be, but I'm still gobsmacked at the amount of times I look through and go, shit, you know, I'd forgotten about that, but I've actually achieved it because, you know, I wrote it down. I said I was going to do it and I've actually done it now, you know, like, and, um, it's, it, it's, you know, I know it's not a session on goal, on goal setting, but people, you know, I, I tell you, like, it's, it can make a massive difference in people's lives. And um, the sad thing is we know that people all around the world have heard it, but only still 5% of the people in the world have, a, you know, in Australia um, have written down goals and dates on them. Um, so, you know, we all hear it, but it's the same as like the apple a day keeps the doctor away, you know. Is it easy to do? That's one of the big things that um, that I think has had a major impact on you know, where I am in life today anyway. So, inspired by Darren Wallace's story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode where he shares how he finds the perfect investment deals. I look mostly, you know, especially in the early days at properties in an area, you know, that had good public transport or reasonable public transport at least or close to, you know, close to shops or infrastructure that was going on. How rather than having a mentor, he would research and find information on his own Rather than a mentor, I guess I just would seek out the information and then I would sort of sift through it and find out what was appropriate to my circumstances and then act on it in the best way that I could, I guess. The importance of goal setting. But don't be afraid, obviously, to set, you know, some longer range, you know, exciting goals because, you know, if you set the right goals, it's what gets you out of bed in the morning. And that's next time in a future episode on Property Investory. Also, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to register your interest. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. 1040. Thanks for listening.